Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 240 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick. He's Justin. Uh, great weekend for Blue Jays baseball. I, well, I guess. I mean, there was close games. Uh, you like to take those. Uh, Justin, give me, like, one sentence of, uh, of not a run-on sentence of how you felt about the team this weekend. I thought it was a good weekend. As astute as ever. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, and if you like what we do, Twitter, at BFMD Podcast, website, BFMDpodcast.com. We're just going to get right into talking about the series against the Mariners. Uh, and then we're going to preview uh, the big four-game set against the Boston Red Sox in Fenway. Justin, uh, take us there. For sure. Yeah, so a couple of quick news items to mention. Of course, uh, we want to talk about Tyler Heineman. He's back. Uh, Blue Jays had a catching injury in AAA, so they decided to make a depth move and swapped some minor leaguers. They sent Vinny Capra, who's a utility infielder, to Pittsburgh to for Heineman, who is now down in Buffalo. They also outrighted, uh, not uprighted, outrighted Jordan Luplo off the 40-man to Buffalo as well, just because Heineman is, uh, obviously has big league experience, so he has to be added to the 40-man roster. So he's just some catching insurance in case uh, one of uh, Kirky or January to miss any time, so... Depth move, but uh, obviously Blue Jay fans are familiar with Heineman. He's spent some time at the team a couple of years seasons ago, and he's yeah. a he's a he does some magic tricks. He's always he's always called the clubhouse magician. So the vibes are up now with Tyler Heineman back in Buffalo. So that's good. That's a little depth move there. Um, another minor league story: uh, Drew Maji. We talked about this guy uh, last week, uh, getting called up after like thirteen hundred minor league games. He actually did appear in a few games to the Pirates. He went two for six, uh, even had an RBI, but he's now back down in double A because the Pirates uh, needed to move somebody off their roster, and it, he he was that guy. So he can forever say he was a big leaguer, even if he never makes another appearance. He made it to the show, so that's pretty cool. Yep. It was a great story, and uh, I think he got a standing ovation mm -hmm. uh, in his first uh appearance yeah they were even chanting they were chanting his name and everything too which is pretty cool so yeah um good shit also fun story uh the yankees just lost 15 to 2 to the texas rangers oh we feel we bad. feel we feel bad for them uh no, here we at bfmd we are yankee sympathizers we just feel so bad that they sign all these oft injured players and then are flabbergasted when they're injured so uh the yankees are um basically a 500 baseball team right now which is pretty fun so i love it they're no longer in the wild card spot technically it belongs to houston um but there's a actually four teams that are uh one game above 500 right now it's houston boston the angels the yankees are all uh either third 14 and 13 or 15 and 14 the jays three and a half games up on houston this is when you brought up a wild card standing is on april 30th and all i started doing was just like blinking because i'm like it's april 30th and we're talking about the wild I'm, card what else are we going to talk about let's talk about seattle let's talk about yeah. these games okay so what do we learn from this series patrick uh my key takeaway is just walk cal rally every time because the big dumper just hits home runs every time he appears at rogers center he had three in this series including two today uh, in a yeah. Mariners, I guess you could call it a comeback win, even though they blew the lead first. 
Uh, it was a back and forth 10 to 8 loss for the Blue Jays in game three. Chris Bassett was unfortunately victimized by the lack of robot umpires in the first inning. He should have struck out the side, but instead uh, had two pitches called balls in the inning that were actually strikes. And it led to a grand slam, which is super fun. Can't wait to see the umpire's scorecard on that one tomorrow. Um, he was able to settle down, and he, he gave him five innings of, of just four-run baseball. And then the bullpen came in and decided to choke it up a little bit today. It, they just choked. That's, yeah. It's a fact. So it's, it's a choke job. It was yeah. brutal. It sucks. Those guys are going to blame themselves more than anybody else is. Mm-hmm. But the fact is... These are all tight games, and the Jays took two of them. That's another series win in the books. That means that they are 18-10 and 10, uh, to start the season. The month of April was very successful yeah, for them. Month. So you're going to have games where shit goes south. Yeah, we talked about it last time out, too. I mean, the bullpen's been so good lately, but, I mean, nobody pitches to a zero ERA over a full season. So it's yeah. you're going to give up runs at some point. It's just unfortunate when it happens to, like, a, a four guys in one game today. Uh, just five like guys real life, sometimes you shit your pants. All you can do is <laughs> throw the pants out, reset, start your day tomorrow. Yep, exactly. Um, other can games we talk? In, just quickly, okay. other games in this series, uh, one nothing, win in extra innings. 13 strikeouts over seven innings for Kevin Gosman, Patrick Marsh. And that was mm. including getting hit by another line drive right in the hamstring. So a good place to take it right in the muscle. No bone impacted, so he'll be fine. And then a scrappy win in game one. Uh, Alec Manoa was not great again, but the Blue Jays were able to scrape together three runs, and that was enough to win. Um, and that was the reason why they blew the game today, because Jordan Romano and Eric Swanson, who is so fucking good, were not available today. Yeah, I want to just blow through a couple quick things with regards to these games. First of all, uh, the 3-2 win, this is just fun baseball in my opinion. Uh, Even though Manoa had four walks and gave up six hits and five innings, which is not good if you're good at math, uh, (laughs) need to give up a home run. Um, he He was, you know, he battled through it, and that's, I think the mark of a, a good pitcher is being able to battle through when you don't have your best stuff. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but Meza had two Ks in an inning. Garcia had two Ks in an inning. Eric Swanson had two Ks in an inning. And Jordan Romano got the save in one inning. Guess what? He also had two Ks. It was just a great pitching effort by the team. Uh, shout out to Teoscar Hernandez went 0 for 4 with 3 strikeouts in the first game uh, of course Big Dumper did go 2 for 4 with the uh, with the home run uh, although that was a solo shot for the Jays though Alejandro Kirk waking up 3 for 4 with a home run love mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Whit Merrifield 2 for 4 with a run scored it was just a good the bottom of the order uh, has been clicking with, uh, just so well, and maybe it's just Whit Merrifield is good. I'm going to throw out a very spicy hot take at the end of our discussion here, and I, I want you to jump all over me if you think I'm out of line. We're going to talk about Whit Merrifield, but I, I've got a spicy... I've got a, a a very caliente take on that, okay? You hold on to that for now. Oh, okay, I will. Yep, we are. Um... <laughs> 
I think we got, even though Castillo had a slightly better line than Manoa, I think we, like, the fact that we knocked him out of the game after five. That, that was a win, yeah. That was the big W because then they had no choice. They had to bring in somebody from the pen. Trevor Gott was the victim, though, uh, this time around. Uh, he gave up the earned run, and that was the difference in the game. Yep. Because that's... the Jays just the Jays pitching just shut down everything. So that I, I like that type of win, Justin, because it's uh like you said, it was scrappy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You gotta scratch runs and uh just felt good. Uh and then we got more of the same pitching in the second game. Obviously Gossman just overpowered the uh the Seattle Mariners, but Pop clean uh you know a clean 1.0 innings pitched 1k romano had two and then swanson came in uh for the 10th and uh three strikeouts he's so fucking good yeah he is so he's good. so fucking good <laughs> if you when you look at his his numbers since he's joined this team he's he's striking out like Everyone. <laughs> it, it's like he has 19 Ks and 13.2 innings pitched, which is like what? Uh, 14 per nine or something like yeah, that. He's just. Yeah. Uh, Fangraphs has the stats that before uh, is 12 and a half per nine innings right now for him, which is a Jeez. career high. He was 11.75 last year, so he's even improved. That's it. nutty. And the Jays only had three hits, but they got mm-hmm. it where it mattered, which was in that final uh, bottom of the 10th. Chappie and then Varsho uh, ending the game. Uh, it was just, it was a thing of beauty. Shout out to Teoscar Hernandez, 0 for 4 with four strikeouts in game two. Uh, Cal Rally went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts as well, so. Yeah, they it, were. It was game. It was the the third game where Cal really hurt us. <laughs> yeah, this third game, the real power performer. I think. I don't even want to talk about the pitching because I mean everybody gave up a run at least, so it mm-hmm. was just a mm-hmm. disaster. But Cal Rally two for four four ribbies. Teoscar hit the solo jack. Um, yeah. Got to give him credit, uh, and he didn't strike out today, so mm-hmm. he's above the Mendoza line uh, for the season. Uh, but the Jays also had good hitting too. Bobichet had the big bomb. Is that four hundred and sixty feet? Yep. This Holy I think is the longest shit. of his career. So I thought I heard them say on the broadcast. Yeah, Springer went three for six. Uh, Chapman went three for five. Yeah, Matt Chapman hitting a cool three eighty four right now. That's right. Yeah, he's tops in the, the American League. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, he was great. But Espinal um, chipped in at the bottom of the order. Uh, J- Danny Jansen. Uh, had a hit. Varsho had a hit. This this construction of the lineup is more appealing to me, although I'm here to conclude with my Caliente take from earlier. Justin, Whit Merrifield is hitting 320. George Springer is hitting 225. Oh this is going to be it. I, I know. <laughs> I, I'm teeing I it up already. for you. Give me a logical explanation as to why Whit Merrifield isn't leading off over George Springer right now. Sure. I think the biggest thing is uh, the comfort level of the Blue Jays. Whit Merrifield, even though he should be, has not been playing every day. I think he should be. But 
I think the biggest reason that they haven't pulled George or demoted George Springer yet is because he's been getting robbed, frankly. Frankly, he yes, he's sitting 225 right now, but his expected batting average is 261. His expected OPS is just under 800. So I mean, it's not like he's he's not he's not like he's hitting the ball terribly. He, we saw no, him not. get robbed twice by Eugenio uh, Suarez at third base in this series in the same game where he absolutely roped a couple towards him and he made a diving play on one and then a line drive was hit right at him another time. So it's not that he's not hitting the ball well. It's just uh, the base hits haven't been falling. He had a couple. He had one weak one today in the extra inning there that finally fell. So the uh, the BABIP gods currently hate George Springer. So I'll tell you I'll tell you what George Springer's BABIP is comp- compared to Whit Merrifield, and this will probably help mm-hmm. you understand a little bit of, of why they haven't put Springer down. George Springer's BABIP is currently 232. His career average is 300, Patrick. Whit Merrifield's BABIP is 383. Career batting average with or career BABIP is 324. So one one guy is drastically underperforming right now, and one guy is overperforming. Now it might be because. Maybe Witt's just hitting the ball really well, and he is. He's got a 129 WRC plus right now. But it's also Witt's having better luck than George is. Um, and I think another reason that they don't want to move Springer is because he's still capable of hitting the long ball right away, whereas Merrifield hasn't hit a home run yet this season in 81 plate appearances, so or 85 including today. So I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons for the hesitation or for the lack of desire to make a move is just because of the, the underlying numbers. You expect Springer to have a big June and I think, or a big May, excuse me. And I think he will. Yep. That's what I expected to hear. Yeah. Uh, but I'll also say this, George Springer is one of the best leadoff hitters in the history of baseball. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of hard to justify making that move, even though statistically you could do it. Whit you Merrifield could. has, has speed uh he is seeing the ball very well right now uh and while right now in this moment uh sure Mm -hmm. make the move but what does it really what do you really get out of it yeah and i and i get it too i mean merrifield's played over 700 games most of his games in his career in the leadoff spot or hitting second it's really only been since he's come to toronto that he hasn't hit there because he was in kansas city which is Kansas City and he hit 285 in his career so far batting first but um hey I mean if, if Springer's not in the lineup I have zero problems putting Wood up there for a day if Springer's getting the day off you know like I think he's the guy who should go up I don't like moving Bo up to the leadoff spot I, think I they hate Bo just, at leadoff yeah I, I think it. they should just leave a guy leave leave Bo leave Laddie leave Chappie in their spots and pull Wood up and put him up there because uh, because of like you said, he's he's hitting well right now and he does have that speed. So it's likely that when he gets on, that the guys that are behind him are going to get they're still going to get good pitches to hit, right? Because they are Bowen Vladdy and there's a guy on base, you, there's nowhere to put him, right? So also I, say, I think that's fair. There's one more thing I want to point out when it comes to performance right now. Um, Santiago Espinal six for sixteen with mm-hmm. a walk. Mm-hmm. One home run, five RBIs in his last seven games. His He's OPS picking it up during that time is over a thousand. Uh, it hasn't made up quite made up for the gigantic hole that he created for himself at the start of the year. But yeah. I like having him in the lineup, batting ninth right now, 
while Danny Jansen sorts things out, while Dalton Varsho sorts things out. They all had a hit today. When it comes to lineup construction, we're talking a lot about how to game it so that way we get the most out of it. How do you see the bottom of the order going into the game against the Red Sox? What are your expectations? Yeah, look, well, the Jays are facing four right-handed pitchers in this series straight away, so mm-hmm. I, ex- I expect a fair dosage of lefties. I think we'll see... We'll definitely see Kiermaier, Varsho, and I believe Belt in there tomorrow. I believe Belt will probably DH unless they're going to give Vladdy a day off, uh, a DH day at first. It's Corey Kluber, so I mean, it's he's he's not having a great start to his season. And if we look at some numbers, yeah, I in wouldn't the, take in a the day history, off. <laughs> uh, I mean, Matt Chapman has is five for five against Kluber with two home runs in his career. He's batting a thousand against them. Wow. Bo Bichette is. Hitting four four fifty in eleven at bats. Uh, Vladdy's hitting five six five fifty six and nine at bats. Um, Brandon Belt does not have any at bats against Kluber, nor do you, nor does Dalton Varsho, as they both have spent their careers in the National League up until this point, and Kluber's always been in the AL. But the guys who I don't expect to be in there, Espinal's zero for four against them. Um, I expect Kirky to be catching tomorrow. Uh, because he has two hits and in five at bats, including a home run, whereas Jano is 0 for two only. So I would expect tomorrow's lineup to have Springer, who's hitting 381 off Kluber, by the way, Bichette, Guerrero, Chapman, Varsha will be in there because he's a lefty and he's your everyday left fielder. Uh, I expect Kirk to be catching. I expect Belt to be the DH. I would be absolutely shocked if Kevin Kiermaier is not in there at center field tomorrow, being a lefty and that he had the day off today. And he's hitting 273 against Kluber in his career, so not terrible. And I would expect Whit Merrifield to be in there at second base as he has 35 at-bats and is hitting 257 against Kluber in his career. So plenty of experience. So I think we'll see a pretty similar uh, lineup to today, but instead of having uh, Kirk at the DH, he'll be catching and Belt will be in there instead. Um, and you'll have Merrifield at second base instead of Espinal. So it'll be Danny on the bench. Danny, Cobb, Espinal, Biggio, and um, Jano. So Jano, Espinal, Biggio, and uh, who's up right now? Is it Lucas that's still with the team? I, I believe know. it is. I think it's Nathan Lucas because he's a lefty and they're facing four righties, so I'd imagine he's still there. So yeah, it'd be Lucas, Biggio, Danny, and SB to start on the bench tomorrow. All the righties, except for Lucas, is a lefty, I guess. So those guys are going to have to play at some point during this four-game Oh, and they, and they will, Can't, yeah. They won't run the same lineup all four days, but yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to see Espinal do play two of the four games, despite the fact that the matchup is less favorable. Yeah, I think you might, really you might get him in there against Pavetta. In game three, um, I think. Or Kluber. You could get him in there against Kluber, but I mean, I, I don't think they will. I think they'll keep Merrifield in there because of the extensive history against them. Yeah, they're probably going to want to absolutely have, pummel. Yeah, and, and because Kluber. they're going to they're gonna have Varsho and Kiermaier in left and center, and Springer's going to be in there at right in right field. So unless they DH Springer for some reason and then um, no. put Biggio yeah. in right field, I don't think that's going to no. happen, you know? So Yeah, so the idea, I think, is going to be to clobber Kluber. Is fat, hmm. that, phew, say that Kluber. Kluber. Uh, they're going to want to absolutely pummel uh, Corey Kluber and knock yeah. him out of the game early so that way the <laughs> bullpen 
gets chewed up uh, early and often in this series. So I wouldn't be surprised if the, the guys we mentioned, Espinal, Biggio, Lucas, and, and mm-hmm. Jansen are all riding the pine tomorrow. Maybe late inning replacements if they need it defensively. Yeah. And then let's talk about the second game a little bit. We've already said what we need to say about Corey Kluber's season. Jose Barrios <laughs> certainly bouncing back after some abysmal performances Yeah. early on. I feel confident. As do I. Uh, especially with Barrios. As long as good Barrios shows up, bad Barrios... We, it could be yeah. ugly. Uh, I mean, he's the Blue Jays are facing a guy who they've seen before in Tanner Houck, but they're facing a Tanner Houck who is now a full-time starter for the Red Sox. Um, yeah, this is weird. Yeah, he's been he's he spent most of last year in the bullpen. He appeared in 32 games, kind of as a long man. He had 60 innings last year, and only four of them were four, only four of his uh, 32 games were starts. Uh, he even closed a few games, I believe, last year. He had eight saves in 2022 for Boston. He so was kind of their Swiss Army. He, he kind of was, and he's effective. I mean, he's got a really good uh, really good slider, and his sinker is, is kind of a good pitch too, or it has been. Uh, but he's not doing as well to start this season, Patrick. And the big reason for that is that that sinker is getting hit at a 333 clip. And also his slider is getting hit at a 273 clip. So, I mean, his kind of his go-to pitches that he uses. He uses that sl- slider 30% of the time, and it's been getting hit relatively hard. He's only given up three home runs in 26 innings, but the uh, the hard contact has, has been there, and not as much uh, swing and miss as there was in previous seasons. Like, if you look at his whiff percentage last year, it was 74th percentile. This year, it's down to 56. So he's, he's not getting as much uh, whiff, and most of his stat cast numbers have dipped into not quite blueberry status but below that 50th percentile yeah he's middle range and a lot yeah. of stuff but i'll say this you probably already know what i'm gonna say uh his best pitch this year based on uh how he's been able to limit opposition batting average is mm-hmm. his cutter yeah his cutter has been resting high in the zone uh the heat map is very interesting upper the upper level of the the strike zone, uh, a majority of them dead center. So I have to think that the cutter must be good this year. He His velocity on the cutter is uh, well above league average. It's around 92-93, yeah. um, which is good. Uh, his fastball, like his regular boring-ass four-seam fastball... <laughs> is a league average so it's slightly faster so it's kind of an interesting combo mixing the two um he kind of aside he's a slider first pitcher yeah he throws his cutter about 20 percent of the time but he also throws his sinker close to 20 percent of the time and also throws his four seamer close to 20 percent of the time and then his split finger is close to 20 percent of the time that pitch has been kind of inconsistent as far as location Mm mm-hmm uh not sure if that's intentional or not uh but this is one of those times where the jays are going to be facing a good cutter and if they can key in on the cutter 
that's a bad like having it that high in the zone like that oof. yeah uh, for matt chapman if he sees that <laughs> he's gonna and remember uh dalton varsho has a very high career batting average against cutters he gets almost 400 against them so you got to expect he'll be in the lineup that day and hopefully able to take advantage of that yeah um, and then of course yusei kikuchi yeah we can't say enough things about uh the cooch I don't like that nickname. <laughs> We're not going to use that. The Jays have won every game that he started. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets when he gets hit, he gets hit hard. But that being said, he's striking guys out. Chase rates high. Fastball velocity's high. Fastball spin is high. The walks are in control. Decent whiff rate. Um, what's the difference? Is it just that his pitches are working? His slider is is terrific this year yeah i mean you look at his heat maps and the maps are a lot tighter than they have been in the past um that four seam fastball there's one red dot it's up at the very top of the zone and then that slider the biggest red section is down and into to righties and away from lefties right so he's locating really well this year and i think um that's been the big difference for him is that when he needs to make a pitch he's been making it and he hasn't been leaving a ton of things uh, hanging out over the middle of the plate, which we do love to see. So I think that's probably been the biggest difference. Having a good slider. There's no hybrid pitch. There's no slutter this year. <laughs> uh, his fastball has gotten roughed up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The rest of his pitches, though, not so much. Look, yeah, the the home runs are still a thing. It's, he's still getting up two home runs for nine innings, but he's cut the walks from five down to two from last year to this year. So, it's yeah. uh, it's been it's been a it's just been a location thing. The command is there, the tempo is there, the pitch clock has helped him. He says, and I, I mean, we see it every time out. He's working quick. He's hitting his spots, and he's just sticking to the game plan. Game three is uh, going to be Alec Manoa versus Nick Pavetta. We'll start with Pavetta, mm-hmm. uh, who has like a good curveball. Um, he is a five-pitch pitcher, although really he's a four-pitch. Well, I really. say a three-pitch pitcher. Yeah, I would even say that, but he knows how to throw five pitches. Uh, not a great start to the year for Nick Pavetta. Uh, he has not really been able to uh, to limit the hard hit. He's one of the hardest hit pitchers in baseball this yeah. year. Uh, nothing is working overly well. His slider is getting hit for 429 with a 571 slug. Mm. And his four-seamer, which is his most often pitch, opponents are hitting 255 with a 582 slug. Uh, with a weighted on base of 386. That's the one I think I would key in on. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to see a few of those go over the green monster. So, big thing that I'm noticing, just looking back at last year's numbers, his four-seamer and his slider were both very good. Negative 9, negative 10 in terms of run value. The curveball, Patrick, was a 17 run value. It was terrible last year. And yet he's continued to make it his second most utilized pitch. Uh, and you can see by the heat map, uh, if you pl- if anyone wants to pull up a Savant page, there it's it's like it looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. There's just paint splatter all over the place. It's it's not it's not great. There's a tight spot to it, but it's in the zone, right? It's not it's not where our curveball should be, just below the zone. So you I got think that's a few the of them thing. middle 
too and yeah and, a few or meatballs just like a there. little outside middle and if you're you're a hitter and you're keyed in on somebody's curveball and it's right there you're that's balls going very far it's dangerous in a place like Fenway Park I mean he's only given up one home run on the curveball so far this year four of the home runs four of the five home runs he's a lot of been on the fastball but uh I don't know I think with, with that short green monster porch you gotta lift a lazy fly ball and if you're looking for a curveball down you can lift something out of Fenway uh no problem Vladdy certainly can and we've seen mm -hmm. him do it before not really overly impressed with uh with his cutter, it's again. I think it's uh, the bad type of cutter, but I don't know. It, it depends on what Nick Pavetta shows up because he, he clearly he has the you know career numbers to back up mm -hmm. being a competent pitcher. His fastball is is about maybe slightly above league average. Uh, the curve is a slow curve, which is the most infuriating pitch. Uh, in his arsenal, yeah. The slider is good for velocity, but again, all over the place with location. He just hasn't looked good this year, and I'm not sure what his strategy is going to be, except maybe not throw as many curveballs. But that doesn't make sense <laughs> because he's a curveball pitcher. Yeah. His fastball isn't really that great, so I don't know what the hell he is going to do against Alec Manoa, who yeah. just pitched. You you mentioned, like, it depends which Pavetta shows up. It also depends which Manoa shows up, too, right? I well, mean... this is the other thing. I was yeah. trying to tee it up for you. <laughs> Tell me about Alec Manoa's changeup and the difference between his changeup and the changeup of a guy like Yusei Kikuchi. Look, I'm not, I'm not even really... I, I want to key in on the sinker with Alec Manoa. His two-seamer has not been good this year. Nope. And the biggest problem is, is last year he was getting it right on the in, right on the inside part of the zone to a right-handed batter. This year it's leaking middle, middle, Patrick. Everything Alec Manoa is doing is he's he's just it seems like he's missing on arm arm side on every one of his pitches except for the sinker. So like he's just the sinker is just diving right into the middle of the zone. He's missing glove side on that one. So everything he's he's trying to throw is is not where it should be. And everything is just kind of leaking over the middle of the plate for him. Yeah. The heat maps so far are not good. Last year, he had nice, tight heat maps. The slider was down in the zone, down and away in the zone. Sinker was in on the hands. Fastball was up. Changeup was down and in. Like, it, everything was doing, was working for him last year. And so far this year, he just has not been able to get into any sort of good rhythm, except for, like, two starts. The start in Yankee Stadium, he was very good, but this re most recent start against Seattle, where fortunately the Jays were able to get get a win three to two because he was able to fight through five innings, but he did not look good again, and he's been getting hit harder this year than he has before in the big leagues. Um, it's just it's it's purely a location based issue and a mechanical issue. The velocity is still fine. I'm not worried about that at all. He's got this. He's got basically the same velo as he did last year. His, his fastball is his, everything is down one mile per hour over last year in the early going. But I mean, we're we're still waiting for everyone the weather to warm up fully. So people tend to throw harder once summer comes around as their bodies are more loose. But I'm not really worried about the velo or the stuff. I'm worried just about the mechanics. The location just has not been good for him to start the year. His slider is getting hit. Opponents are hitting 360 against it with a 760 slug, yeah. which is 
profoundly <laughs> bad, and that and... is his third most pitched pitch, yep. and it's only like six behind the sinker for number one, and it has been atrociously bad. I mean, it's you been... look at the numbers, right, and it's it's like double what it was last year in terms of average. If it's and in the middle against. of the zone, <laughs> if it's in the middle of the zone, like it's been, it's bad. Uh, it's gonna get fucking clobbered Bad and then a lot of shit way out of the zone guys aren't biting on it anymore and that's why the walks are bad yeah he and chris bassett have the same a similar problem they're just not locating certain pitches uh, the slider is manoa's weak spot right now in his game and i don't know mm-hmm. what you do i honestly don't he's getting rocked yeah in most of his per- performances and it's not getting any better fortunately uh he battles mm-hmm. as one does um i don't know man i don't i like i'm not saying like he's toast it's just it's not a good year for him nope he's having uh the year that jose barrios had last year um just nothing in the location's just not good whereas we've seen barrios this year dial the location back in um thankfully for the blue jays though four fifths of the starting rotation have been relatively consistent manoa's been a little bit wonky and of course bassett start today is 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 tough but i mean by the time he left the game the blue jays were winning so the loss is not on him um but i mean kevin gosman (laughs) kevin gosman what can you say he is definitely the ace of the rotation, and he'll get his start against uh, Brian. Brian Bello in the fourth game. Here you go. Uh, Brian Bello uh, has an incredibly fast fastball, and that is about the end of all of the nice things we could say for now because he just really hasn't had a great year so far. Yeah. Uh, his best pitch is his changeup. Uh, as it should be. Uh, everything else is getting clobbered. Yep. And I mean clobbered. <laughs> Opponents are hitting 600 against his slider. That's wild. With a slug of 1,000. Oh. Weighted on base average, 686. Oh. That's rough. Uh, yeah, and this this is a guy who the Red Sox, uh, he was a highly touted prospect when they brought him up to pitch last year. And just hasn't really sorted it out yet for them. I mean, when last season his sinker got hit for a 402 average. I mean, it's just a guy. A guy doesn't. He's. It's the same issue Manoa has, right? The location just hasn't been good on any of his pitches. When he misses, when he misses, he misses. I don't know what you do either because he's a fastball pitcher, and he hasn't been throwing his fastball a lot this year because it's getting decked. Yeah, and his slider's getting decked, and his sinker is still getting hit for two seventy eight. Hey, it's the same thing uh, when the Jays were facing the uh, Cardinals start the season, right? You have Jordan Hicks throwing one hundred and three, but if it's middle middle, a major league baseball player can hit that pitch. This is the problem that Bellow is going to run into, though, when he plays the Jays. Is this is a team that. Is very very good at hitting a fastball, and if your slider is not good, and his has not been good this year, mm-hmm. then there's no get me out of there pitch. Yeah. His changeup, as long as they don't bite on the changeup, 
Uh, he's gonna get, he's gonna get rocked, I think, and that's <laughs> unfortunate because he's only twenty three. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't know why you leave a guy up like that. I mean, they they had sent him down, but then they've they've they brought it back up again just because that they need people in their rotation. They need arms because obviously they're they're hoping James Paxton would pitch for them, but that may never happen. Big unfortunately, uh, Chris Sale yeah. was actually decent today. So he's he's kind of having a some so some of it a comeback season, but the Jays won't see him as he pitched today for Boston. So that's always nice to not see Chris Sale in a series. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. I want to say one thing, and this isn't relevant to the series we've we've previewed it. Uh, an interesting story out of uh, the Tampa Bay Chicago game. Oh, Tampa was pretty close to like a hundred percent to win this game. Uh, near the end, and then the White Sox stole it. No way. Right at the end, they win twelve to nine. It oh. was, ri- it's ridiculous. Uh, go check out the numbers if you're interested at all. It was crazy. Uh, the inning started well. Uh, for Tampa, they got a line out, and then it was single hit by pitch, double sack fly, single, 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 and then a home run. Game over. Uh, and it was a no doubter. It was a hmm. 407 foot monster by Andrew Vaughn. Goodbye. Tampa loses. Uh, <laughs> crazy. Just a crazy wow. game. So how but, many runs did Chicago score in the last inning then? Uh, oh, I just had it up here and I threw it away. It must have been like a half dozen or something. Uh, it was bananas actually. I was watching the score as we were talking just because I thought it would be interesting. Tampa scored two. In the ninth, so they were up nine to five. Yeah. Chicago scored seven, of course. With the walk-off bomb, yeah. Yeah, the bomb. They get three extra wow. runs. <laughs> That's crazy. Yep. And well, that is a uh, a walk-off grand salami. It'd be nice to see Tampa lose a few more games because uh, they're still what seventeen games above five hundred or something crazy. So. Oh, yeah. it's a walk-off three-run home run. I apologize. Anyway, that's that's good. That's good for the Blue Jays. It's nice to not lose any more ground to Tampa because they've they've only lost four games now since they left Toronto a couple of weeks ago. So uh, they're still on fire. But yeah, I mean, the last thing I want to mention here in this series, yeah, just how good Kevin Gosman has been his last couple times out. Um, after that, the splitter can't be hit. Yeah, after that tough a tough first inning in Houston, he's gone to New York through seven shutout innings with 11 strikeouts. And then he came back home against Seattle with seven more shutout innings with 13 strikeouts, which was a career high for Gosman. I mean, he's he's got his he's got his whip down to uh, 101 on the season and the ERA is at 2.33. So even with that game in Houston where he gave up seven earned runs, outside of that start Patrick, he's given up three earned runs total on the season in five other starts so i mean gosman's been as dialed in as you possibly can be and yeah you like you mentioned that the splitter right now is just it's almost unhittable people are only hitting 158 against it and that's actually beating the expected batting average of 122 so it's 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 awesome he's basically become a two-pitch pitcher he's only thrown his slider 47 times so far this year while throwing the four seamer just about 300 and the split finger 236 times so, I mean, uh, 
Yeah, and he's and what he's doing differently, Patrick, he's throwing that four-seam fastball down in the zone occasionally. He's been able to freeze people with 95 at the bottom of the, uh, at the knees just to steal strikeouts because they're expecting the splitter. They don't see the splitter, so they don't swing at it. <laughs> it's awesome. He's just taking it away. I love it. It's perfect. He's so good. I think he, if he keeps it up, he's going to have a better season than he did last year. And I last agree. year... He was. He didn't. He should have gotten more votes for the Cy Young yeah, than he did. He was snubbed. So it is. It's just. It's fucking bananas. Just how <laughs> good Kevin Gossman is, and everybody, all of the the higher leverage relievers got the day off today. It sucks we didn't get the dub, but mm -hmm. they'll go into the game, the the whole series against the Red Sox fresh. Hopefully, we don't have to use them. Uh, like exhaust them really because that's really what we've been doing. We kind of rode them pretty hard over the last few days. They deserve to have the day off, and unfortunately, all of our lower leverage uh, relievers pooped the bed today. Yeah. So, do you? Can we talk a little bit before we wrap up here on what what it is we're seeing? Uh, from the the lower leverage guys, that's really pissing us off. I'll tell you what I think it is. Uh, and it's obvious um, between Anthony Bass, Jimmy Garcia, and Trevor Richards, they can they're certainly getting strikeouts, but it's every time they're hit, it, the ball goes 400 feet over a yeah, fence. Yeah, that has been a problem. Um, and it's concerning because we, you know, Eric Swanson can't pitch every night, and neither can Jordan Romano. And in order for us to win baseball games, we have to be able to rely on lower leverage guys to be able to record outs. And yes, full credit, the bullpen over the last week has looked pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. But the lower leverage guys are the guys I'm worried about. Anthony Bass hasn't looked good at all this year. It doesn't seem to be getting any better. I don't know if it's because the Twitter thing is still in his head. Oh my God. I know, I keep bringing it up. I'm going to keep bringing it up though. Um, because it's funny, but like, I don't know. I don't know what you do because there's nothing else, nobody else to draw on. Uh, we do have the benefit of trying out Nate Pearson, but they didn't use him today for some yeah, reason. I, I don't I understand thought, that. I thought that it would have been his game if Garcia struggled and said they turned to Zach Pop, who for some reason didn't throw his best pitch to Cal Rally. He threw him a slider instead of a two seamer. His sinker is so good, but he did, he just didn't throw it. Yeah, I don't um, know. So a little bit of game calling issue there, I guess you would say, um, from 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 uh, from Kirky, who was catching today. But I mean, it's is what it is. You have your relievers give up three home runs today. I mean, Richards gave you two innings. The only hit he gave up was the home run, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm um, gonna be nice. Trevor Richards actually has been decent. His ERA is at three eighteen. I mean, Bass is at good. seven. Garcia's over six. Like it's there's been there's been a few too many blow ups from those from those two especially. Um, and it's it's okay sometimes because like sometimes you can still get the win. Yeah, I feel like five, every time fine. Anthony Bass enters a game, we're going to lose. Like it's like we're gonna lose. And I don't know what it is because, like, I'm looking at the numbers. He gives up a lot of hits, man. Yeah, it's tough. Um, he's, he's only had two clean sheets in April. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, he gave up two hits in every appearance except for today. He gave up one, but guess what? It was a home run. And it was yeah, a it's, bomb it's and we tough. Lost the game. I mean, he's he's shown he's got a track record of being pretty consistent 
as a major league reliever. Like his average ERA is three point nine, so he's he's got good career numbers. But this year, it just has not has not been good for him. And he's he. So what what usually happens for Bass is, I mean, last year if you look at his splits, Reddy's only hit one fifty nine against him. This year they're hitting three eighty one. So it's like brutal. He's given up. Uh, way too much to right-handed hitters that's what he's primarily there to, to be as a right-handed specialist and he has not that has not been the case this year for him so Here, i'll give credit though to, to jimmy garcia he's had some clean sheets it's just the blow-ups have been blow-ups for the jimmy blow-ups uh, like the blow-up against tampa immediately after that blow-up his next appearance he got ripped up by houston mm-hmm. uh he gave us a good uh, a good clean sheet against the Yankees. Well, I guess he gave up a hit, but we still got... I think we took the win on that one on the 21st. The 22nd, he came out, tossed another stinker, gave up two hits, two earned runs. Uh, and then again today, uh, a game that was very winnable, uh, choked away uh, in the 11th hour. It's, I, I don't... I'm not blaming... It's not just on Jimmy. I, I just... These guys, it's starting to concern me that we were hoping for those two guys to be a little higher leverage, mm-hmm. and I just don't trust them. I trust Trevor Richards more than I trust either of them right now, and I trust Nate Pearson, who's only appeared once, more than I trust those two. Uh, it's just very frustrating because we know those guys, like you said, they have track records. Yeah. So, I don't know. No, I'm with you there, and... Unfortunately, the way the schedule works out this week, uh, we won't be able to record again until next Sunday, and it's too early to preview anything against the Pirates because everything could change against them. All the probable pitchers could change for who knows why. Our games could get rained out, and that could change the whole schedule. But uh, we will come back next Sunday uh, to kind of review the week that was on the road. It's a long road trip, Patrick. The Blue Jays don't return home until the 12th against the Braves. They have two off days sandwiched around a two-game series in Philadelphia next week. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an 11-day road trip with nine games over that time. So it's going to be an interesting little stretch here again against a bunch of teams with winning records right now. Somebody looked ahead on Reddit or Twitter and noticed that all of the Blue Jays' next 48 games are against teams that currently have 500 or better records. So it's a tough part of the schedule. We thought April was pretty tough. The Blue Jays finished 18 and 10, which is a stellar month. Uh, They've really put themselves in kind of the driver's seat to kind of control their own destiny later in the season. But they're going to have to keep playing at this level or close to it over this next stretch because you're playing a bunch of teams who are all playoff contenders at this point. And those are the teams that you need to put behind you. So... It'll be interesting to see how they go over the next month and a half. This is it. Yeah. But in the meantime, if you like what we do, you can follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. The website is the same at BFMDpodcast.com. For Patrick out in Halifax, I am Justin here in Saskatoon. And we will see you in a week.